Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to our spoiler-free review for Avatar The Way of Water. I know one thing, wherever we go, this family is our fortress. Hello, I'm J-Law, but you can call me Justin, and if you're joining us for the first time, well, we are Geekcentric, a podcast covering the world of movies, TV shows, toys, collectibles, gaming, and all things Geekcentric. Joining me for today's spoiler-free review are the people of my geeky tribe. They don't have braids, but they do have four fingers and a thumb. Darcy Hudson, Megan Clara, how are you guys? <laughs> Doing well. I sometimes have braids. This is true. I, I, I imagine, I just meant right now. I think both of you could pull off braids. You know, I think uh, Darcy. I think you could pull off a mean dreadlock with those locks. Uh, uh, I mean, you know. I did. I had braids once when I was on vacation, and I looked like the stereotypical white guy with with braids. So uh, <laughs> yeah, you, maybe you not for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember the day Kevin came back from a cruise, and he was like, "Well, I did this and took his hat off, and he had cornrows, and I I just died." Like, Every <laughs> Hudson has done it at least thing. once, so it's it's kind of a, a, a rite of passage in the Hudson tribe. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, you guys excited to talk about some some avatars, some blue people, some some, yeah. some water? We getting wet and wild on this this spoiler <laughs> <Again>. free <laughs> review. You <laughs> said hey, wet and wild. A lot that's of all water right. jokes. That's just that I said wet and wild. Yeah, that's like a water park. It's a water park, not sexual. <laughs> <laughs> exactly wild water kingdom you guys familiar with that any canadian uh 90s kids that ever went to uh, uh wild water kingdom you'll, you'll know what i'm talking about uh listen before we dive into the world of pandora i wanted to let you our lovely listeners know that right now we have an interview out with one of the actors from this very movie mr stephen lang aka colonel Korich, who returns for the sequel avatar the way of water uh it's a fantastic interview with nate uh you can actually check that out on our youtube channel it's exclusive to our youtube channel at youtube.com slash geekcentric but also we have more interviews to share with you uh, with the new cast of this movie which will be coming later this week so be sure to subscribe to the youtube channel so you know when those interviews drop and you know what hell why don't you follow us on twitter uh, at geekcentricyt and on instagram at wearegeekcentric because we love to share little highlights from those interviews and uh, they're they're just darn darn right fun you know they're just they're just a good time now uh before we get blue and get into full review mode here um i would love to know from uh my lovely co-hosts uh you know avatar came out in 2009 that's 13 years ago if i do my math wow. correctly yes that's mm -hmm. a long time ago <laughs> um <laughs> how excited were you guys going into this movie and how did you feel about the original film darsh let's start with you uh, i mean original film I, I share a lot of sentiment with like the the wider population and that the story was just basically pocahontas in space and kind of nothing new or breaking ground there it was all about the visual effects that's not to say i didn't enjoy it because it is a visual delight uh but there wasn't much substance to that first movie and i uh again going coming off that one i was like is it really necessary that we get two or four more or however many he has planned for the avatar series and uh i, I gotta say Number two has me more stoked than number one did for anything. So th that's a positive I'll mm -hmm. kick off the bat with. So, yeah. Nice. Nice. That's Meg, good. how about yourself? 
Yeah, when I when the movie first came out, um, obviously it's the very first 3D experience a lot of us had in a regular movie theater, and I was super excited about that. Um, I love the landscapes and the small creatures when you first discover Pandora and you're walking through it and you see all these little bright twinkly lights and the magic of it was really exciting for me, but I don't handle 3D all that well. Um, So, Mm -hmm. and I didn't know that going in, obviously. So this time around, I was a little apprehensive about how I my body was going to handle this movie. Um, and it, it did well for this one being even more advanced than the first one. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with both of your sentiments. Uh, I think the first movie did such a great job of showcasing the technology, showcasing the world. Um, it was definitely what I call spectacle at its best. That was immersive and captivating, but it did lack story. It did lack a compelling story that that made me want to care and made me want to see more. But I'm definitely with you, Darcy. I I think, you know what? Maybe I could watch another one. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need to be three hours, but I could (laughs) could do with another story only to see what some of the elements that they've seed planted here, how they maybe close out in this third movie. But that said, not everything about this movie is perfect. So let's get into it. As I mentioned today, we're sharing our spoiler-free thoughts on James Cameron's latest spectacle, Avatar The Way of Water, a sequel to the highly successful movie Avatar from 2009. As always, a huge, huge thank you to our friends at 20th Century Studios Canada and Disney Studios Canada for allowing us to take part in the screening so we could bring you this review early ahead of its release in theaters. Um... So the movie is set more than a decade after the events of the first film. Avatar, The Way of Water, begins to tell the story of the Sully family, Jake and Natiri, and their kids, the trouble that follows them, the lengths they go to to keep others safe, and the battles they fight to stay alive, and the tragedies they endure. Directed by James Cameron, Avatar, The Way of Water stars Sam Worthington, Zoe Saldana, uh, Sigourney Weaver, Stephen Lang, Cliff Curtis, Joel David Moore, Eddie Falcone, Jermaine Clement, which was a, a happy, uh, was a happy that surprise. That was a fun surprise. <laughs> it was a very fun surprise. Uh, Giovanni Rabisi, you were hoping for it, Meg. You got it. And uh, Kate Winslet. Uh, this is a screenplay by James Cameron and Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver. And of course, it is directed by none other than James Cameron. Avatar The Way of Water opens in theaters on December 16th. Okay, so usually with our reviews, if, if you've joined us in the past for these spoiler-free reviews, we usually do a, a, a what works and what didn't work, and we kind of segment it that way. However, we're gonna do a little bit different, not, not by much. Uh, we're gonna be talking about three main uh, pillars of this movie, which are visual effects, story, and performances. And within those things, we're gonna talk about what worked and what didn't work. Again, we are completely spoiler-free, so we're not gonna spoil any plot points uh, or give away anything that is of great importance to the movie. So let's kick things off with visual effects. And let me be the first to say, 
this is visually stunning. I think that's what this movie is going to be celebrated for is its high achievements. Cameron yet again delivers some top-notch forward-thinking technology and filmmaking techniques that really do push the boundaries and really create a immersive experience. Cameron is known to, to collaborate with, with so many different people to conjure up new technology and, and that offers audiences a, a new experience that can be so captivating captivating and heart pounding even it's the full realization of escapism and you know this this movie featured again 3d technology as we mentioned with high dynamic range and high frame rates and for those who don't know what high frame rates are as as a geek when it comes to filming stuff typical film rate that you would get is 24 frames they utilized 48 frames uh for specific scenes and this was entirely in service to the the visual effects because when you speed it up things will look a little bit smoother versus 24 where you'll see motion blur with camera movements and, and whatnot and and you may not get all the details so this was entirely in service of the visual effects so that you can see as much detail you know that with the use of imax this all comes together to present a very high quality image and it really did show like the textures of the skin the textures of the uh, different animals and creatures in, in the water and yeah. you know it, everything about it was was so well captured and it felt real at times but at times it also felt very apparent that this was artificial um how did you guys feel about the visual effects from this movie well, one of the things we all talked about together was that, you know, having a faster frame rate can also make it look, you know, like you said, a little artificial. And there are some moments in this movie that don't feel like a movie. It feels like I'm watching a video game cutscene, um, which is mm -hmm. cool, but is not what I'm looking for to connect with these characters or this story. Um, I love like I said the landscapes from the first one and that didn't disappoint at all in the second film the landscapes of a new section of Pandora that we've never seen before were really beautiful mm -hmm. not only on the surface but also under the water um the creatures the the plant life um getting undersea plant life in this and how that connects mm -hmm. to Awa, their mother nature, is something that I found was probably my biggest positive takeaway from this film. So mm -hmm. visual effects were very, very well done. <laughs> I mean, talking about the high frame rates, there were some scenes where it felt kind of unnecessary and it became like just these slow you know, conversation pieces and it's just a slow pan of the camera and they have this high frame rate going and it kind of just is a bit jarring to watch. And like you said, feels very video game cutscene-y. and that's not to take away from video game cutscenes, but they have their own place as they are part of a video game. That's a 40 hour story or, or longer. And in this movie, when you get so much of that, it feels very like you're missing kind of the bigger story. Cause you're, you're getting that video game vibe where like, Oh, this is only a small part of the story. And then I'm going to play the next section, but they just move on to the next story point. So it's, it's very odd. The, the times they chose to use it, but when it does work, it works. It, it looks incredible. There are some action sequences and some, some wide space shots too that are just exactly breathtaking. And again, that's like yeah. this. This is very much a spectacle in in it of itself, just like the first one was. Yeah, I I think you know, it it's apparent. You'll see it. You'll notice 
mm-hmm. the the high frame rate when it jumps to 48 oh, yeah. frames. When you see these Ikrons flying, right, or or the Tolkien swimming, the 48 frames helps because mm-hmm. you you can really see the detail. You can see the detail in the textures of the skin, but it was very apparent, and 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 I think that's going to be a a bit of a discussion as mm-hmm. people talk about this movie. I, I think we were both in the camp that it did work in some some aspects. Right. Like maybe some of those wide shots of flying pull back and show these massive wide scopes. But then there were moments where it was like, did that really need the high frame rate? Like, did yeah. did, did someone just say, you know what, that looks a little weird. Can you turn that high frame rate on? OK, <laughs> there we go. That looks good. And I think this really just comes down to taste. Some people are going to like it. Some people aren't going to like it. It's not going to be for everyone. But, you know, again, this is another tool in James Cameron's never-ending toolbox that he is able to leverage and pioneer a new way within the filmmaking space. And, you know, going back to 2009 with the release of Avatar, that paved the way for new 3D technology, new IMAX technology. Uh, There were new filming techniques and, and new software and all sorts of new stuff. And that has lasted 13 years. And now here he is again, kind of reinventing the wheel when it comes to 3D and IMAX. And speaking of IMAX, holy shit, do you need to see this movie in IMAX? Like, this is a movie that needs to be seen on the biggest screen imaginable. I'm, I'm a big fan of, of full IMAX, like full screen, take up that whole screen, do not cut between IMAX and, and 235.1 where it's like cropped and it's very noticeable when it jumps to those different aspect ratios. It never did that. It never did that at all. It was full immersion and I loved it. I absolutely yeah. loved it for that. It was it really did wrap you in its world. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. get lost in it a little bit, which is uh, a benefit to the film. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, got, I, I think we. T- yeah, go ahead. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I got total uh, like the rides in in Disneyland, Flight of Passage, where it's very much similar mm-hmm. wide landscapes, and you're being stuck right into this little bubble. This IMAX screen feels oh, like it's almost replicating the same thing, and I got a crazy like flashback to being on that bike as we we're going on this journey. So I, I think to go with that sentiment of it feeling like a ride, that ride flight of the passage is a giant IMAX screen that mm-hmm. is wrapped around you uh, to create this sort of surreal 3d experience that you're flying on an Ikron. Right. So, but it did get us thinking as well. What if we just got a planet earth Pandora edition <laughs> and you know, we went to the, a science center, IMAX, Cinesphere, and and watch just just these like beautiful naturescapes with uh I, who's that um, uh, narrator that everyone Nate's gonna hear this and he's gonna be screaming <laughs> at the top of his lungs. Is uh, Stephen Fry? Richard Attenborough, yeah, David, David Attenborough. Attenborough. Richard Attenborough. Forgive us, Mr. Attenborough. But again, if you if he was narrating this this epic nature piece about Pandora, and you have James James Cameron's technology, it could be something. And 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 I think it would tell the story of Pandora on a whole other level, better than I think this narrative does. And you know, maybe this is where we start to kind of maybe talk about one of the things that didn't work about this movie and it is the reliance of the spectacle, the technology Mm -hmm. that really drives this movie over the narrative. Uh, Mm -hmm. So why don't we, why don't we start talking about the story if that's okay with you guys? Um, We won't spoil anything about it because we are going spoiler free. So high level, 
what worked for you with the story and maybe what didn't work for you? Was there any thoughts maybe to get the conversation started? For me, I think they had some strong themes. And I think based on the trailer, it was clear. It's about family. You know, mm-hmm. it's all about family. You know, how many Fast and Furious <laughs> movies did did J- James Cameron watch of this? But this is three hours. This is a long movie. There's a lot of different themes that are played out throughout, but they don't really stick to any of them. Yeah, I found, you know, they tried to throw way too many, like, cues in the fire to say, well, here's something to think about, and here's another thing to think about, but we're not going to elaborate on that. And maybe that's an idea for the fact that they have so many more planned and they want to leave these loose ends opened because they have more movies in the future to film. Um, I get it, but that's not what we're trying to see here, I feel. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. pick a lane and stick to it and do it well rather than trying to do eight different themes and none of them really make sense or are coherent the way they tell them. I I feel like a lot of it was inconsistent in in the the story writing where they'd be like they'd introduce this really interesting topic, but like you said, they'd move right on to the next thing and just leave that to sit in the back of your mind, like maybe until the next movie or future storylines when they explore it. But when you're watching one of these movies, there should be enough of a story that is making you involved in this. From this movie, there wasn't something that was like a major threat for the first while. And it was just like, we're seeing scenes just for the sake of showing, again, these spectacles. And it's just like, well, that's cool and all. There's a much better way narratively that you could have shown the same stuff and had a, a, a smoother flowing story. So yeah, it was very inconsistent and took me out of it a lot in terms of the, the story. What I appreciate about, you know, when we have a spectacle like this is good story that is married to that spectacle. Mm-hmm. And I feel like here the visual effects and everything else were the driving force of why this movie was so long. Um, because I think a good hour or more could have been cut that was unnecessary, that that didn't add much, right? Like to Meg's mm-hmm. point, they would introduce things and then they would just leave them. And some of it, yeah, I think it is obviously purposeful because it will be explored in future movies, but some of it, I, I don't I don't think so. I just think that they they just kind of introduced it and then was like, that's what it is, or, or that's, that's how it's gonna go. Like, again, we're, we're talking in very vague and I, I understand that, but it's just the idea of commitment. Like you said, stick to one lane, Meg. You know, stick to one lane and do it right. And that's, that's what you really want when you have epic spectacle like this. You want good storytelling that's going to support that. But really, it, it did seem like the story mattered as much mm-hmm. as, as all of these visuals, as everything else that we, were, we talked about previously and the visual effects. And, and it's so incredible. Like, that's what people are going to be talking about. People aren't going to be talking about this story, right? No. Yeah, I just think it was very lackluster. It was, it was very underwhelming. Yeah, and like we said, you may have well just done a Planet Earth Pandora edition because you didn't focus enough on the story being meaningful. So it almost downgrades the incredible visuals that you get because you're also trying to pay attention to what's going on and like three hours of keeping up with this story that goes in so many different directions. If you had loosened the story up a little bit and made it less full of stuff then we could have paid mm-hmm. attention to the visuals and the story and maybe they would have been more cohesive and like 
they would have married well together Worked. throughout the exactly. entire movie. Mm-hmm. Complement each other, work yeah. with each other, support each other. Not not feel like like and, and this is how I felt with the original Avatar as we were talking about, like story is in service to spectacle when it should really be the other way around. The spectacle should be yeah. in service of the story. It should support the story. And the first Avatar movie was very similar. It was more about the visual effects achievements that they had mm-hmm. in 2009. And I think that's what is the misfortune of this movie. It falls into the same trap. Yep. It's, it's about that those visuals. It's about the spectacle and less about the story. Mm-hmm. And I think one of my biggest issues with the story is I've, I've mentioned in other podcasts too, is when I'm watching these movies, I always like to wonder about the why behind characters' choices. Mm-hmm. And this movie mm-hmm. doesn't spend any time on the why. It's just, no. these are the characters and this is what's happening to them. And then they use these, again, spectacle landscape shots to kind of transition between these weird scenes where again you're trying to understand why these characters are making the decisions they are they're making and they're just kind of completely putting that by the wayside being like they've made the decision and now we're moving on and it's just it's a bit annoying in that in that regard yeah and one of the things you mentioned earlier um justin is the fact that you know this imax experience is unbelievable but i think the audience would actually be doing themselves a disservice by not seeing it in IMAX or in 3D. But maybe you're somebody like me who doesn't handle 3D well and it makes you a little motion sickness or gives you a bit of a headache. Then you can't even enjoy the movie in the way it's supposed to be seen because there's not Mm -hmm. enough holding it up that doesn't have to do with the visuals. Mm -hmm. So you have to see it that way. Exactly. Exactly. I I agree. I like... The point about the headache, I still have a throbbing headache. We saw the movie today, <laughs> uh, this this afternoon, so so I, I still have a headache. But that said, if you're going to see this movie, and I, I do recommend, I, I think everyone should see this movie, uh, but just don't expect a great story is what, I, what I'm really getting at. I think if you can handle the motion in the 3D and sitting for three hours, this movie is an experience that needs to be seen in IMAX on the biggest screen possible. But that said, it doesn't marry well with the story, as well as, like you said, Darcy, character motives, like mm-hmm. character motives aren't defined and there's a heavy handed exposition. You know, again, that might be more of a pacing issue as well. And I think it's apparent that this movie could have had a little bit more uh, revision and editing just to kind of tighten up that story. But I guess if you're James Cameron, you can do whatever the hell you want to do. So (laughs) good on him. (laughs) But I do think we got some outstanding performances, even though we weren't thrilled with this story, given the fact that most of the performances are done through mocap uh Mm -hmm. most most of them uh we do have a a couple human performances or or live action performances um i want to give you guys an opportunity who who were some outstanding performances for you guys uh in this in this movie i mean for me zoe saldana is always going to be a really Mm -hmm. incredible performance she is such an incredible Mm -hmm. character actor she pulls herself Mm -hmm. out of the performance and makes it completely about the character she's playing um Though she's not featured as heavily in this film as I would like her to have been, um, I still think that every second that she's on that screen, she pulls focus. She's amazing. Um, I really loved learning about their family. Um, The kids get a lot of airtime. I love the fact that they highlight the kids a lot more. Um, 
I guess, to counter the fact that Zoe's not in it as often. Um, their, their children do a really good job and they all come from, you know, different ages and um, different experiences with their parents because Jake and Natiri are at different stages of parenting throughout each kid being born. So um, it's mm. fun to to get the like old chi- oldest child thing and the middle child syndrome of you know not mm-hmm. of being the outcast sort of and um getting a look into those performances was really incredible i will say my favorite surprise was the fact that jermaine clement was in the movie but they take away his accent and i don't <laughs> love that why would you do that the most iconic new zealand actor you have on this film You've made him not New Zealand, so that... Yeah, it was a choice. It was definitely a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, the whole Sully family, it was a lot of great performers from there. I mean, Sam Worthington, I feel like, definitely upped the game from the first one. He wasn't one of the standout performances. One of the more you know surprising things I walked away from was Stephen Lang's performance in this film. I actually found yeah. him... He brought a lot to this character, returning in, in the way that he does is really cool and i really enjoyed the way that they explored that that route through his character and and uh, yeah he was one of the definitely one of the standouts for me yeah stephen lang was fire he was a great uh returning cast member he he really leaned into it you know he was the antagonist in that one he's obviously going to be the antagonist here um and yeah he's he is outstanding i also like you know to to meg's point zoe she is so captivating. It's like she understands how mocap works. She yeah. understands how to emote, how to give good performances. Because it's like it's crazy. Like we were talking about how much can you really see of the original actors in these mocap performances? Sometimes you can. Um, Zoe, it's it, it kind of it, it lingers at times. I find when she smiles, when Nadiri yeah. smiles, you really do see Zoe uh, kind of shine through. And I, and I really do love that. But again, continuing from you know avatar she slips right into the role so comfortably and she gives such powerful emotive performance throughout this movie which is is extremely captivating and yeah uh, you know you guys both called it out the addition of this new young cast that's featured we have uh, Jamie Flatters Britton Dalton Trinity Jolie Bliss uh, and Jack Champion as well as Bailey Bass who all delivered outstanding performances in this movie and really drove home the emotional narrative uh, you know I felt very connected to them again the story was weak but the performances were outstanding I don't know like again I, I as we were talking about in story i feel like you really do get the sense of family and it is really in seeing these kids and seeing the the relationship that Natiri and, and jake have with with them and how they've built this uh one kid i want to talk about is kiri who is played by sigourney weaver and, and yes sigourney weaver did star in the original movie as dr grace augustine but here uh they've actually aged her character down and she is playing a teenager, more or less. Um, and I think a lot of people were wondering how this was all going to work. And they made it work. We'll, we'll say that. Uh, but I got to say, I didn't mind her performance. I think it was well done. It was very thoughtful and emotional. And, and I'm actually more intrigued with her character than, than any of the other ones. But uh, how did you guys feel about her performance? Yeah, I thought it was great too. Again, I, she was one of the things that has me looking forward to a, a next movie because her character is so, there's so much potential there for rich storytelling, 
you know, opportunities. But with James Cameron, I'm wondering if we're going to get that chance to explore it as, as much as we'd like to. But her performance was incredible. And I, again, didn't even really make the connection that it was Sigourney Weaver because it felt so unique and different New. separate yeah. from from the Grace Weaver character that we saw in the last one. So yeah, brilliant performance and I, I, I can't wait for more. I completely agree with everything you just said, Darcy. She was recognizable, but not to the point of it feeling uncomfortable and awkward to hear her very mature voice as a child. Um, it also went along with her character story very well. She mm-hmm. She is very different from all of the kids and I think it worked really really well yeah I, I i agree with both of you i think her characters it has me more interested in in what's next uh for, in avatar 3 i think more so than than any of the the other ones but they've obviously clearly established that they are a family and that they're a unit and i think again as as we've mentioned that sort of seems like the overarching theme that really does tie this movie together is family mm-hmm. uh amongst all the other things that they have <laughs> going on throughout. Well, guys, listen, I, I know we've we've talked about those three pillars. Is there anything else that you guys want to talk about before we get into our final thoughts? No, I think I, I we summed it up. Those three pillars cover, you know, the majority of that movie. So I, I feel like we For sure. got our, our our very broad topics off the board. I mean, you can't go into much nitpicking without ruining <laughs> the story for some viewers. So I, I feel like we exactly. covered the ground fairly fairly well. Exactly. Well said, Darcy, because that is exactly how I feel, because <laughs> we have now ventured to Pandora and back. So I think let's let's share any final thoughts that we might have with our rating, which will be out of one to five gallons of water. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Going basic. I was going to say, wow, so unique. <laughs> Meg, why don't you kick this off? For sure. So... As somebody who, you know, I I enjoyed the first movie. It wasn't my favorite thing I've ever seen. I didn't have a lot of expectation for this film, um, aside from the fact that I knew it was going to be visually spectacular. And it delivered on exactly that. I don't know if I would continue watching this series if, you know, in the next couple of years another movie comes out. I might see it. I might not. I'm not that invested in these characters and their story. If you enjoyed the first movie, you will enjoy this movie because it is visually and narratively better than the original. But if you weren't a fan of the original, you know, go see it for the experience of the visuals, but don't have your expectations set too high. So with that all said... I think I would give this movie a three out of five gallons of water. Yeah. Nice. Not that thirsty today. Thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> Darcy, how about yourself? Uh, I mean, I again, I enjoy this movie a lot more than the first one. I feel like they were trying to start telling an original story with it, and there is a lot of cool potential that they set up. Uh The pacing was a bit of an issue for me. Uh, again, that first mm. hour really dragged on, and a lot of it, again, could have been handled differently through, again, what we get later on in the movie, the way that they explore some of the past kind of makes the beginning redundant. So uh, in my opinion, that that really slowed it down and bogged it down for a bit. But again, coming out of that movie, I had 
a lot of positives to say because it was so breathtaking and there was a lot of potential. So I'll be giving this one uh, 3.5 out of 5 gallons of water because, again, I am looking forward to seeing what the uh, what Pandora holds in the next movie because it is always a fun and visually breathtaking adventure. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with both of you. I think, yeah, as you were saying, Meg, you don't get overly... Um, invested in these characters you you, you can't the, emotionally and yeah you're absolutely right Darcy this this is better than the first one because it doesn't f- follow a mold of a previous story that we already know this is actually trying to do something different and maybe set up some interesting things you know again as as we've already gushed this 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 movie is a visual feast for your eyes and it and is made for the IMAX experience um you know James Cameron again delivers on creating an immersive world of Pandora that is genuinely stunning it is it is jaw dropping and it is it is so captivating. And for those reasons alone, you have to see this movie. You have to see this movie on the biggest screen possible um, because it is an experience that people will be talking about. And for 2022, you know, we're, we're still kind of in COVID. We haven't really had great theater experiences. I think the only other one that I, I can really think of is something like Top Gun from this year. So I, I feel like this definitely reminds people, go to the movie theaters. There, there are experiences that are designated for the theater experience. And Avatar The Way of the Water is definitely one of them. However, the story does take a back seat while the spectacle drives this this very, very bloated runtime. At times, I feel like the narrative is is very hollow and, and, and a little artificial. And while we called out some interesting seed plantings that they've that they've done here for future it didn't need to be three hours it, it didn't need to be this this long and I, I i don't think it was in service of the story it was in service of the spectacle and that to me is the problem i knew james cameron was going to hit it out of the park from a technological standpoint he was going to deliver everything that he delivered back in 2009 on a new scale on a new level that is going to reshape and and redefine the cinematic experience from a 3D perspective but i also knew that james cramen was not going to deliver not surprised this movie's in service to showcasing the spectacle i do think though what this movie does show is new technology that in the hands of other filmmakers who do know how to marry spectacle and story, they will have endless tools to really create an, an immersive experience that is next level. And uh, I hate to say it because I know if he, James Cameron's listening to this, he's not going to like it. But <laughs> those comic book movies he hates, I'm sure, will leverage some of this technology to create immersive moments. But all that to say, you know, again, This movie is spectacle over story. Therefore, I am going to give it a 3.5 out of 5 gallons of water. I'm I'm a little bit more thirsty than Meg. (laughs) It still it still didn't it you know I I could I didn't quench the thirst entirely. So yeah, well that is it for our spoiler free review for Avatar: The Way of the Water. Again, a huge thanks to our friends at 20th Century Studios Canada and Walt Disney Studios Canada for allowing us to attend this screening so we could bring you this review 
early before release. And you know what? Just thanks to them for being awesome and setting up all of our interviews and, and the different opportunities we had this past year. Um, you know, if you did like this episode, be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts on the movie, maybe we're crazy. Maybe it's the best story, the best <laughs> cinematic story experience. Well, you can write your words to us at wearegeekcentric <laughs> at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or if that feels like writing an Ikran for the first time, well, you can reach out to us on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Keep in mind, we also have a ton of other great episodes covering the latest movies and TV shows, including our recent spoiler-free review for Disney's National Treasure, Edge of History, episodes one and two. We also have our spoiler-free review for Willow. Also, we have our spoiler-free review for a Marvel special presentation, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. It is the holiday season, which also means we got our spoiler-free review for the Santa Claus episodes one and two, both are of which are on Disney Plus as of right now, so you can enjoy it just in time for the holiday season. Uh, we also have a slew of Netflix review, like our spoiler-free review for the series Wednesday and for the movie Slumberland. And as mentioned, we have a ton of interviews out for you to enjoy. Uh, we do have our Stephen Lang interview uh, that Nate did, uh, which is on our YouTube channel. And we actually have a whole bunch of interviews on the YouTube channel. Uh, we have a little playlist. So if you go to <laughs> youtube.com slash geekcentric, you can see all those interviews. And you know what? It's been a great year for opportunities and interviews here at the Geek Centric Podcast. And we're grateful for all the opportunities of, of these spoiler-free reviews. Because guys, this is our last spoiler-free review for 2022. We have nothing else on the dock. We got some stuff for 2023, so don't worry. <laughs> we got some stuff that we're working on that we're, we're, we're got coming up. So And some interviews as well for 2023. But I think that's a wrap on spoiler-free reviews for 2022. We will be taking... A holiday hiatus, if you will. We, we deserve a, a nice two-week break, and we'll be coming back in 2023. I think we, we're talking about doing a, a look back at 2022 as well as a look forward in 2023, what we're excited for coming up in the year of all things geeky. Um, but until then, be sure to listen to all of the stuff that we have out in the Geekiverse of podcasts and YouTube. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think of our show uh and until next time meg darcy thank you for diving in with me on this spoiler free review for avatar the way of the water and as we say laters bye peace